just as in the dark about this as we are. It always seems impossible until it's proven true. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Weeknights, all night long, 77 WABC. WABC New York and 107.1 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. It is the news hour. Good morning. It is Wednesday, January 31st. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. You know, I should have noticed because my microphones all moved around. The devices in front of me had been moved and I noticed it when I sat down, but I thought, well, you know, it looks like it'll all work. All right. We figured it out. But your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda <laughs> Weather Center. Another cloudy day on the way, the high 41. The clouds, they hang around tonight and overnight, low 36. And then tomorrow, we actually may see a peak of the sun, the high going to be 49. If you are walking out the door with us right now, 33 cloudy in Orangeburg up in Rockland County, 35 and cloudy in South Orange down in New Jersey, and it is... 34 and cloudy outside our Midtown studios right now. We have a whole lot more to get to as we work our way up 6 o'clock hour. Sid and friends in the morning will start with the New York City Council overriding Mayor Adams' veto of the controversial How Many Stops Act. This took place late yesterday afternoon. The council's move with a vote of 49 or 42 to 9 was expected, though the vote was a little bit more harsh than we expected it would be. All items on today's general order calendar are adopted by a vote of 42 in the affirmative, 9 in the negative and zero abstentions. The New York City Council passed two criminal justice bills with veto-proof majorities defying the mayor who last month vetoed both. But the How Many Stops Act and the bill banning solitary confinement passed by a 42 to 9 vote on Tuesday. That was more than the original vote. Both pieces of the legislation approved with even more support than the original vote in December, which, by the way, I will point out, our own Curtis Lewa predicted it was a stinging rebuke on the tough-on-crime mayor and his late push to reject the council ahead of the vote yesterday. The mayor knew he was going to lose, and he said he had no regrets about the veto. We want to continue the success, driving down crime in a real, real way and improving public safety in, in the city. Nothing should get in the way of this city being safe. I cannot say that enough. The legislation gives police reform advocates a major win in requiring now what is, of course, the nation's largest police department. It's 36,000 officers to document all investigative encounters in the city. This is any interaction that they have with the public. They will have to document. It also requires officers to record the apparent race, gender, and ages of all people. They stop in low-level encounters where police ask for information from people who aren't necessarily suspected of a crime. Officers will also have to report the reason for the interaction and the circumstances that led to stopping this person. The data would be made public on the police department's website. There were some city council members who thought this was not a smart idea at all. One of them, Staten Island City Councilman Joseph Morelli. The same people who uh, get their panties in a bunch over police overtime
overtime and wanted to fund the police, uh, now give officers two options, either pay them more overtime to do paperwork uh, or uh, pull them off uh, working tours to do the same paperwork. But most all the other council members who voted uh, overriding to override this veto say that they were voting the will of the people. They absolutely want the police presence, given that uh, they play an important role uh, on the issue of public safety, deterring crime, and also quickly responding. But at the same time, uh, they, when, when they are engaging with the public, uh, my constituents want to feel respected by those uh, officers. So part of this bill essentially ends solitary confinement out on Rikers Island. Uh, Mayor Adams was doing anything he could to try to stop this. He invited city council members to ride alongs with NYPD cops to see what it was like and how their job goes and, you know, trying to push the idea that pushing paperwork on them just didn't make a whole lot of sense. Urging the council to uphold the veto today and to spend some time of correcting uh, the area of the bill, the only area of the bill that I have a disagreement on, and that is the level one stops. Yeah, so he didn't get his way. Now, the interesting thing is uh, last time a Democratic mayor suffered an override of a veto, you have to go all the way back to the Dinkins administration. President Biden says he's decided now how he's going to respond after the killing of three American service members Sunday in that drone attack in Jordan that his administration has pinned on Iran-backed militia groups. Yes, I don't think we need a wider war in the Middle East. That's not what I'm looking for. The president making his comments there yesterday as he was heading to a fundraiser in Florida. The White House still determining which of several Iran-backed groups was responsible for the first killing of American troops in a wave of attacks against U.S. forces in the region since the Israel-Hamas war began. Uh, the, there's going to be this solemn ceremony that will take place on Friday at the Dover Air Force Base where those fallen service members' bodies will be brought back to the United States. The president says he's been in contact with all three soldiers' families to ask them if it's okay that he's there. And they have given him the thumbs up. The Pentagon uh, identifying those threes, uh, Sergeant William Jerome Rivers, uh, Special Sergeant Kennedy Ladone Sanders and Brianna Moffitt and Brianna Moffitt's mother. She was speaking out yesterday just talking about the horrendous moment when soldiers walked up her front walk and knocked on her door to tell her that her daughter had been killed. He looked at me and he said, I'm sorry, Miss Moffitt, but Brianna was killed this morning in a drone attack. Yeah, just awful. Uh, 23 years old, uh, her daughter was. There have been a total of 166 attacks on U.S. military installations since October 18th, including 67 in Iraq, 98 in Syria. Now, of course, that awful one in Jordan. WABC News Time 509 for years. Gamblers have complained that the casinos are not smoke-free in New Jersey, but every other place is. That may change soon. A bill ending smoking in New Jersey casinos has been advanced by the state Senate's Health, Human Services, and Senior Citizens Committee. So it'll be up for a full vote in the state legislature as blackjack and poker dealers in A.C. have pushed vigorously for a ban, saying they're being exposed nonstop to deadly secondhand smoke. And public smoking in New Jersey basically always prohibited except for in Atlantic City casinos. For years, casino owners have argued that prohibiting smoking would eliminate 3,000 AC jobs and that gamblers who smoke would take their business to Philadelphia. 
James Flippin for 77 WABC News. Four NHL players, including two players on the Devils, charged with sex assault in a case that goes back to 2018 in Canada. Mike McLeod and Cal, is it Cal Foot of the Devils has been charged with sex assault in connection with this alleged assault by several members of Canada's 2018 World Junior Team. They've denied any wrongdoing. A double spokesperson says the organization aware of the reports have been told to refer all the inquiries to the league. All five players have been taken uh, leave from their current clubs. Uh, their agents have not spoke publicly since. According to the court documents, this woman, the 20-year-old, alleged that a man identified only as John Doe 1 took her from a bar to a hotel room back in 2018 and invited seven others, including these players, into the room to perform undisclosed sexual acts. 5-11, go down to D.C. President Biden needs Congress to give him additional authorities to secure the southern border. That's what White House Press Secretary Olivia Dalton is arguing. That's why House Republicans, she says, should get on board with the border deal expected to come up in the Senate. And if, you know, Speaker Johnson is serious about securing the border, which he also said this morning that he is, then he should work across the aisle with us, uh, reach back across the aisle in good faith and join us. We're working along with Senate Republicans as well as Democrats. Biden had says the deal would give him the power to shut down the border, and he said he would use it once he signs the bill into law. But House Speaker Mike Johnson says the deal crafted in the Senate is likely dead on arrival in the House. We think that if this proposal that's on the table was to be enacted, it would be the most meaningful, uh, fair, uh, significant piece of legislation to secure the border that we've seen in decades. House Speaker Mike Johnson denying claims that his opposition to the bipartisan border deal is coming out of the Senate is to help Donald Trump's presidential campaign. Manu, that's absurd. We have a responsibility here to do our duty. Our duty is to do right by the American people, to protect the people. The first and most important job of the federal government is to protect its citizens. We're not doing that under John- President Biden. Johnson says it has nothing to do with Donald Trump. Johnson claims the deal senators are working on is just not great. I have talked to, to former President Trump about this issue at length, and um, and he understands that. He understands that we have a responsibility to do here. The president, of course, President Trump, wants to secure the country. President Trump is the one that talked about border security before anyone else did. House Republicans, of course, continue to blast Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas as they get ready to impeach him. New York Congresswoman Elise Stefanik criticizing Mayorkas and President Biden's handling of the border. Mayorkas and Joe Biden have failed the American people, and Secretary Mayorkas is responsible for the devastation and destruction and the implementation of the failed Biden border policies. Mayorkas could become the first cabinet secretary to be impeached in almost 150 years. Our country is experiencing a full-fledged invasion with illegal immigrants pouring across our borders in record numbers, encouraged by Joe Biden's open border policies. 513, the president, he was in Miami last night for a fundraiser. So were the Palestinian protesters who've been calling for a ceasefire. They lined up last night ahead of the president arriving. So we are protesting not just the idea of fundraising while our tax dollars are killing children, but also the idea that someone can run for president while actively being complicit in genocide. Sarah Rosen is with a group called the Jewish Voice for Peace, says they're calling for an immediate ceasefire. They want the U.S. to stop sending aid to Israel. Our call is for an immediate ceasefire, for an end to all funding for Israeli military attacks on Gaza, 
and for the U.S. to press for a political solution. We'll be holding signs and we'll be holding shrouded models of babies, which have become a visual that the ceasefire movement is using across the world. Yeah, there was a crowd last night outside that fundraiser. Meanwhile, former President Trump going to stay on the Illinois presidential primary ballot. The State Board of Elections voted yesterday to dismiss another challenge to Trump's eligibility over his alleged actions during the Capitol riot on January 6, 2021. I think that we do not have jurisdiction to weigh into the constitutional issue. Um, uh, and to, to decide the question of whether the candidate engaged in an insurrection in violation of Section 3. Therefore, I further move that we deny the motion for summary judgment. That's a Jack Rett with the bipartisan board that voted unanimously yesterday against this lawsuit that was brought by a group of voters represented by a watchdog group called Free Speech for the People. I think that we do not have jurisdiction to weigh into the constitutional issue. Um, uh, and to, to decide the question of whether the candidate engaged in an insurrection in violation of Section 3. Therefore, I further move that we deny the motion for summary judgment, grant the motion to dismiss for lack of jurisdiction, and therefore overrule the objection. So several of those states have made similar attempts to keep Trump off the ballot. Supreme Court set to hear arguments next month in a Colorado case that could end up being uh, the president for all these other cases. 515. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Dex, uh, Desk, rather, which has been in Jerusalem all week and still is. And here's Justin Ellick. Well, thank you, Noam Alwid. Start here on the hardwood in the NBA last night. The Knicks continued rolling in one of their best months in franchise history. Jalen Brunson had 29 points. Dante DiVincenzo made a career-high nine three-pointers. And the Knicks beat the Utah Jazz 118-103 to last night for their eighth straight victory. DiVincenzo scored 33 to lead the Knicks, who finished 14-2 and in January. Their most wins in a month since going 14-0 and in March 1994. And just one shy of their most ever when they were 15-3 and in December 1968. We're starting forwards, Julius Randle and Ojean Anobi sideline for the second straight night. Precious Achiwa started and uh, matched a season high with 18 points. Josh Hart finished with 10, 10 rebounds and 10 assists for his first career triple-double. Just the 10th player in NBA history to do it by finishing exactly 10, 10, and 10. And Isaiah Hartenstein had 14 points and 12 boards. Tonight, the Nets return to action at home, set to welcome in the Phoenix Suns uh, for an 8.30 p.m. tip-off. And as Noam previously covered here, four NHL players were charged with sexual assault in London, Ontario. Uh, their respective legal teams confirmed to ESPN. Lawyers for Philadelphia Flyers goaltender Carter Hart, Calgary Flames forward Dylan Dube, Dube, or Dube, I don't know, and New Jersey double center Michael McLeod. I like Dube, that's Cal- funny. Yeah, is Dube better? Yeah. I feel mm-hmm. like Dube is better. And defenseman yeah. Cal Foot, all members of or Canada's... Dube would be fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dube. <laughs> all members of Canada's 2018 World Junior Championships team uh, addressed the situation later Tuesday. All four players had previously been granted leaves of absence from their NHL teams. We'll update you on that story as we hear more. That's Sports Gnome, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 518. Let's go down to Texas. State of Texas defending a controversial law that bans transgender medical care for kids. There is a long history and tradition of state regulation of medical practice, and there is no history and tradition of parents being able to override those medical yeah, I don't know what's going on with the sound there, but the Assistant Attorney General, Natalie Thompson, pushing back on claims that the treatments for what is known as gender dysphoria are medically necessary. Assistant Attorney General Natalie Thompson says these treatments, known as gender dysphoria, are not medically necessary. The state being sued now by families of transgender children. They argue that the new law infringes on their rights to make medical decisions. Over to Missouri, Missouri Democratic Congresswoman Cori Bush blasting the 
Department of Justice over its investigation over her campaign spending on security services. The outspoken squad member who's been at the forefront of the defund police movement confirmed the investigation but is denying any wrongdoing. I am under no illusion that these right-wing organizations will stop politicizing and pursuing efforts to attack me and the work that the people of St. Louis sent me to Congress to but do. Bush, Bush came under scrutiny last year when she married her security guard and then kept him on the campaign payroll. She said she used campaign funds as permissible to pay for security, but she says she did not use any federal tax dollars. After conducting a month-long investigation, the Office of Congressional Ethics found no wrongdoing and voted unanimously to dismiss the case. I look forward to this same outcome from all impending investigations. But the DOJ issuing a grand jury subpoena for documents related to Bush's use of those security funds. A SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket carrying supplies to the International Space Station blasting off from Cape Canaveral yesterday afternoon. Five, four, three, two, one, ignition, invisible power, and liftoff. Go Cygnus, go Falcon. Still always cool to hear that countdown. The rocket carrying equipment from Northrop uh, into orbit for the first time. And we've throttled down our engines in preparation for Max-Q, which is coming up here in a few seconds. This is the largest structural load. This is the largest structural load that the vehicle will see on ascent. Yeah, pretty cool to watch that take off. 521. Let's bring it back to New York. All eyes, of course, on the special election in the third district, which covers portions of Long Island and Queens. It's less than two weeks away. Republicans have put up a Democrat, Mozzie Pillip, as their candidate. Democrats have brought back former Congresswoman Tom Swazi. Polls show this race incredibly close. So what can the candidates do to stand out as they head for the finish line? Well, we asked some people, some who have been Congress, others who have not, for suggestions. One of them, former Congressman Anthony Weiner, says Tom Swazi has to let voters know that he knows his way around Congress. The first thing I would do if I were Tom Swazi is try to make his experience an asset. I know there's a conventional wisdom that Incumbent politicians are not popular right now, and Congress is not a popular place to say you've been. But Tom Swazi is a well-known brand. There's no sense in trying to make people forget that. Our own Curtis Lewa, who wants to see a pillup win on election night, says the Nassau County lawmaker has to tell her story over and over again. So if she can promote her narrative, which is a great one, rescued from Ethiopia by Israel, join the Israeli Defense Force, the paratroopers, the elite group, met her husband who did Aliyah from the Ukraine at the University of Haifa, raising a family of seven right there in Great Neck. Pillip has hit Swazi hard on immigration, big issue, of course. But former Congressman Wiener says Swazi could neutralize that talking point with just a well, a little finesse. The second thing I would do if I were Tom Swazi is something he clearly seems to have in forefront of mind, and that is neutralize immigration as an issue. And I would do that in a couple of ways. One, I would firmly plant myself in the camp of acknowledging it's a problem, acknowledging solutions need to be uh, need to be had. And also acknowledging that some of his colleagues are just dead wrong about it. I would rally to the side of doing a deal to get something solved. And I would have some fairly specific ideas about 
how to do them. Now, so far, the candidates have not agreed to debate, so it looks like it probably will not happen. Curtis says that probably helps his candidate pill up. But so far, they have not agreed to debate. They are taking the Joe Biden and the Donald Trump uh, philosophy. That is uh, Swazi's one point of showing weakness in Mazi. But to be honest, I don't think... I don't think the electorate out there cares about a debate. This is such a short race that it's now a sprint. It's not a marathon. So voters, they head to the polls for this special election on February 13th. Of course, keep it here, 77 for WABC for all the the, uh, information that leads up to this race. And if you listen in the 8 o'clock hour today and in the 4 o'clock hour, you hear more information on this Mozzie Pillup Tom Swazi matchup. American travelers being warned about visiting Jamaica now. The State Department issued a travel advisory last week saying violent crimes like homicides, armed robberies, and sexual assaults are common. The department added that high-level or specialized health care may not be available in Jamaica. Anyone planning to travel to the popular Caribbean destination is being told to avoid secluded situations and get traveler's insurance. I'm Lisa Taylor. WABC News Time 524. A pilot and explorer says he's found Amelia Earhart's long-lost plane. CEO of Deep Sea Vision, his name's Tony Romeo, says the company used sonar technology to inspect the ocean floor near where Earhart was last heading before going missing. There's no other known crashes in the area, um, and certainly not of that era um, and that kind of design with the tail that you see clearly in the image. So his team reviewed data from the 100-day expedition in December, and they say they found the shocking discovery, a blurry plane-like shape Romeo believes to be Earhart's. It was taken about halfway between Australia and Hawaii. That's uh, near the Howland Islands. The former U.S. Air Force intelligence officer sold commercial real estate to fund his deep-sea exploration of the Pacific last year. Earhart is suspected to have crashed back all the way in 1937. It's not the first time that somebody's come forward with with, with some piece of evidence of, of possibly finding Amelia. But I would certainly want to put eyes on that target um, and take a closer look. Yes, there's a lot of other explorers out there, and they're not so sure they buy that this is really her airplane. California Governor Gavin Newsom announcing new actions that California is going to take to help restore the salmon population there. Removing barriers, modernizing infrastructure for salmon migration, modernizing hatcheries, and protecting water flows in key rivers are the stated action priorities. The state legislature is already working on parts of the project, spending more than $796 million in investments over the last three years. Those include dam removal, returning fish back to historical habitat, and expanding partnerships with tribes. Newsom says the salmon strategy is designed to improve the fate of this critically important species in the face of a changing climate. I'm Brooks Walker, NBC News Radio. The lights, they're going to dim on Broadway for Cheetah Rivera, who passed away yesterday at 91. A boy like that would kill your brother. The Tony Award-winning dancer and singer rose to fame in the role of Anita in the original production of West Side Story in the 1950s. She was also known for creating unforgettable characters in the original cast of Chicago, Bye Bye Birdie and Kiss of the Spider Woman. Rivera's daughter says she died in New York following a brief illness. Rivera was given the Presidential Medal of 
freedom by President Obama in 2009. She served as the marshal of New York City's Puerto Rican Day Parade in 2013. 527, the opening bell, it rings this morning on Wall Street as investors prepare for the start of a brand new trading month. Today at the closing bell, the Dow rose 133 points. S&P 500 dropped about three. The Nasdaq fell 118 points. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Wednesday, January 31st. Oh my God, we already got through January. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Another cloudy day on the way today high 41 the clouds they hang around tonight yeah overnight low 36 tomorrow we could get some peaks of sunshine but a mostly cloudy day high 49 if you are walking out the door with us right now so happy you are 33 and cloudy in orangeburg up in rockland county 35 and cloudy in south orange down in new jersey and it is 34 and cloudy outside our midtown studios right now i'm going to murder the person who messed with my microphone equipment here. <laughs> you know, uh, somebody sat at my desk at some point, which is fine. But, like, you know, then put everything back in place. So now I have to hold the microphone as I do this hour show, essentially, because it fe- keeps falling over, which makes it a little bit difficult as you try to concentrate on doing the news hour. So when I find the person, I'm going through the camera footage when the show's over. Let's start on Long Island, where three men... Dressed as utility workers and armed with guns, forced their way into this Long Island house in a really frightening robbery. They're still on the run today. The robbers hit this home in North Hills. It was 11 in the morning. They were posing as the workers. They said they needed access to the house. A 69-year-old woman was inside with her 35-year-old aide, who was the one who cracked the door to see who was there at the front door. He just opened the door a little bit. To say, you know, what do you what do you want? And they put a gun to his head, and they brought him. They went up, came up to my room. So once inside, the men took the victim's cell phones. They pushed the woman to the ground. They covered her mouth. They were saying they didn't want to hurt me, but uh, I would kept kept on screaming his name, Jesus' name, as a Christian. I was screaming, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me. So as they were going after that uh, senior citizen, the aide herself, she did something what seemed smart. She locked herself in a room, and then she opened the window, and she started screaming out the window for help. And thank God, the Yang family, which lives next door, they heard the screams. I just heard a male voice that was screaming over and over again. Anyone's got to call police. Uh, or anyone's got a call, please, for me. Yes, so they did, and the police showed up. Unfortunately, the creeps who committed this crime were long gone. The district attorney says uh, criminals are getting bolder, and residents need to become more aware. Her suggestion is, and Donnelly, is that if those kinds of workers show up at your front door asking to come in and you haven't called for them that you should give the utility company a holler to make sure that they're supposed to be there. That going on... As Nassau police say five suspected members of a South American theft ring arrested yesterday in this joint investigation with the NYPD, 
They're accused of trying to break into homes, one on South King Street in Elmont. That took place Monday morning. Uh, Monday morning. Investigators say they were using this high-tech device called an electronic Wi-Fi scrambler, which interrupted police radio signals. So thankfully, those creeps off, off the street. They are not believed to be connected to these other folks who tried to break into that home in High Hills. Uh, while we're out on Long Island, let's give you an update. Unfortunately, it is a sad one. We told you earlier this week, the family reaching out to us, the Lee family, that their dad, James Thomas Lee, who has Alzheimer's, went missing a week ago. Uh, the family lives in North Sea, and um, they just had no idea where he had been. They had the police, had everybody involved, searching for him for nearly a week. He was reported missing on January 24th when a family member went to his home and saw the front door was open and that the stove was on. Uh, unfortunately, they found him yesterday. His body was found really close to the house, right behind it, in fact. Um, not clear why they didn't see the body right away, but you can imagine the family members just completely devastated. Very kind. Give you the shirt off his back. It was just kind of, whoa, what happened? I mean, we went from, you know, possible sighting and thinking, you know, he's going to come home to, you know, he didn't make it. Yeah, this happens, unfortunately, all too often. In 2018, I may have the year wrong, we had a salesperson on our staff where her dad went missing, Alzheimer's, and he was found on the roof of a Brooklyn building and passed away. No criminality, and that's the same thing that happened here. Southampton police say no criminality in in this case. Uh, the not They didn't give us the details of how he passed away, but he was unfortunately found in the backyard. WABC News Time 539. Let's go out to Brooklyn. The city's Department of Health and Mental Hygiene announcing it's evaluating the water system at the Langston Hughes Apartments in Brownsville after two residents there diagnosed with Legionnaire's disease. Officials say the Department of Health working with the New York City Housing Authority now to sample the water system in the apartment complex to look for Legionella, which is a form of bacteria that grows in warm water and causes Legionnaire's disease. And as you might guess, people who live in the building completely freaked out. You don't have to touch the water. You don't have to drink the water. All you have to do is turn it on. And you could be affected by yeah, it. He's, uh, he has it kind of right there, actually. Symptoms of the disease include fever, chills, muscle aches, and a cough. The disease is treatable, though, with antibiotics. Bacteria thrives in cooling towers, uh, hot tubs, hot water tanks, humidifiers. Infectious disease experts say Legionnaire's disease is different from other types of pneumonia because it is entirely preventable. But that doesn't help these people who live in this building who, of course, want to know more details today. I took the day off today just to take my kids to the doctor to make sure that none of us were sick of it. Um, thank God, but I haven't sent, um, we haven't got any bad news back yet. Um, I guess they're going to check the blood work to make sure none of it's in our bloodstream. But let's pray to God it doesn't. And we're still playing so much higher rents and people's getting diseases, people's dying, heating is off, waters is off, everything crazy. Yeah, I'd be a little freaked out, too. Adults 50 and older have a higher risk of getting the disease, as well as cigarette smokers and people with chronic lung disease. A spokesperson for the health department says residents can still use and drink water, but they say the most vulnerable should take some extra precautions. Of course, they say they're doing the sampling, and as soon as they have more information, of course, they'll let people know in that complex exactly what's going on. 
Would you know what to do if you fell onto the subway tracks to save your life? This is amazing. This 12-year-old boy, lucky to be alive after he fell in front of a subway in Brooklyn yesterday. An L train was approaching the tracks at the Metropolitan Avenue Lorimer stop when this boy fell onto the tracks, but he managed to avoid being hit by the train. That's like my biggest fear. I stand as far back from the track as I possibly can because it's so crowded in the morning and it's like people are jammed on like sardines and it's really scary. We don't know what happened to this 12 year old. In other words, like how he fell onto the tracks. We do know he's okay, thank God. An MTA official says the train operator saw what was happening, hit the brakes as the train entered the station. The boy scampered under the platform overhang and one car passed over him before the train came to a complete stop. Now, how did he know to do that? By the way, not every station has that overlap, so uh, platform overhang. So, uh, but in this case, it came in handy. I mean, for sure, it probably saved his life. It was smart that he knew to hide on the side because I don't think most people know that there's that space there where you can, if unfortunately you fall or are pushed, you can hide there. Yes, so the boy being treated for minor injuries. Not every station has that type of space under the platform to hide, though. The fear of falling or even being pushed onto the tracks, of course, is one of many strap hangers share in common. According to the MTA, more than 75 people die on the tracks every year, and that's why they've been testing out these metal fences, this pilot program. They're also testing out the pilot program that targets fare evasion and trying to make riders feel safer. One such measure would put emergency exit gates, ready for this, on a 15-second delay. (laughs) I feel like this spells disaster. The MTA got approval from the state to implement this pilot program to put emergency gates on this short delay because that's how so many people cheat the system. But, of course, critics are concerned that in an actual emergency, waiting 15 seconds to exit could put people in a really dangerous situation. You think? MTA always comes up with outrageous ways of, I guess, saving money. That's a very bad idea. 15 seconds is like, it, it can be dangerous. That happens all the time. Yeah, nobody thought this was a good idea. I mean, they're trying to figure out how to stop these people who cheat the system every day. The time delay going to be tried out next month at three subway stations. All three have ample turnstiles for riders to access in case of an actual emergency. So they say you'd be able to get out and not have to be going 1, 1,000, 2, 1,000, counting to 15, waiting for that exit door to open. But riders say this just seems like a silly idea. Not a bad idea, but I won't say it's the best idea to solve it. Uh, I mean, it's a good attempt, but I think New Yorkers will find a way to evade all that. So, <laughs> you know, good luck, but it's not going to be totally effective. You know, and some of these new ways they're trying to stop. Have you seen these new doors that are higher that you can't jump them? But riders, uh, this is being shared on TikTok. They figured out this technique already to not pay. Uh, I won't share it with you, but if you're a TikTok watcher, you can find it in two seconds and it'll show you how to beat the system. So even this new way to stop fare evasion that they were trying out at a couple subway stations, people have already figured out how to beat that system. Meanwhile, I should point out that in 2022, the MTA lost $285 million to fare evasion. I mean, that's outrageous. But even more outrageous is the following year in 223, last year, they lost $409 million to people who just didn't pay the fare. 545, a guy who pays the fare, no doubt, every time he gets on the sub. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk, which is in J-Town, Jerusalem today. Here's Justin Alec.
Yeah, I do pay the fare every time. Uh, yeah, well, you know, you're an honest guy. I, yeah, I appreciate you uh, giving me that credit. And so it doesn't go unnoticed, obviously. No. Start here on the hardwood in I the I don't know NBA if you have to life. be proud of paying. I mean, I think that's just your duty to pay. when you. Of course. Yeah. Why else do I have a MetroCard? Right. Exactly. On the hardwood in the NBA last night, the Knicks continued rolling in one of their best months in franchise history. Jalen Brunson had 29 points. Dante DiVincenzo made a career-high nine three-pointers. And the Knicks beat the Utah Jazz 118-103 last night for their eighth straight victory. DiVincenzo scored 33 to lead the Knicks, who finished 14-2 and in January. Their most wins in a month since going 14-0 in March 1994. And just one shy of their most ever when they were 15-3 and in December 1968. With starting forwards Julius Randle and OG Anunobi sidelined for the second straight night, Precious Achiwa started and matched a season high with 18 points. Josh Hart finished with 10 points, 10 rebounds, and 10 assists for his first career triple-double. Just the 10th player in NBA history to do it by finishing exactly 10-10-10. And Isaiah Hardenstein had 14 points and 12 forts. Tonight, the Nets return to action at home, set to welcome in the Phoenix Suns for an 8.30 p.m. tip-off. Also, out of the NHL, four uh, players were charged with sexual assault in London, Ontario on Tuesday. Yesterday, their respective legal teams confirmed to ESPN. Lawyers for Philadelphia Flyers, goaltender Carter Hart, Calgary Flames forward Dylan Dubé, and uh, New Jersey double center Michael McLeod and defenseman Cal Foot, and all members of Canada's 2018 World Junior Championships team addressed the situation uh, later yesterday. All four players have previously been granted leaves of absence from their NHL teams. That's Sports Gnome, and I'm Justin Elk on 77 WABC. Let's catch up on some of the bigger stories of the day. One of them yesterday, New York City Council overriding Mayor Adams' veto of the controversial How Many Stops Act. The council's move with a vote of 42 to 9 yesterday afternoon. It was expected. All items on today's general order calendar are adopted by a vote of 42 in the affirmative, 9 in the negative, and zero abstentions. City Council passed two criminal justice bills with veto-proof majorities defying the mayor, who last month vetoed both. But the How Many Stops Act and the bill banning solitary confinement passed by a 42 to 9 vote. Both pieces of legislation were approved with even more support than the original vote in December, which is really a stinging rebuke to the mayor. And something, by the way, I will point out, as much do I don't want to do this, Curtis Lewa predicted this yesterday, Ahead of the vote, uh, the mayor told uh, the media that he had no regrets about what he'd taken place. We want to continue the success, driving down crime in a real, real way and improving public safety in, in the city. Nothing should get in the way of this city being safe. I cannot say that enough. But this legislation, it gives police reform advocates just a huge win. Require the nation's largest police department, its 36,000 officers, to document all investigative encounters in a city that once had offers routinely stop and frisk huge numbers of men for weapons, a strategy that some said took a huge toll on co- uh, communities of color. That's some of the pushback in this bill. It requires officers now to record the apparent race, gender, and ages of people they stop even in low-level encounters where police ask for information for people who aren't necessarily suspected of any crime at all. Now that all is going to be documented, officers will also have to report the reason for the interaction, the circumstances that led to stopping that person. The data would be made public on the police department's website. 
Now, uh, it was a majority vote against the mayor, but there were people who were on the side of the mayor, including City Councilman Joseph Morelli, who's from Staten Island. The same people who uh, get their panties in a bunch over police overtime and want to defund the police uh, now give officers two options, either pay them more overtime to do paperwork uh, or uh, pull them off uh, working tours to do the same paperwork. But the majority of the other city council members, they say they did the right thing and they say they were speaking for the people of New York City. They absolutely want the police press given that uh, they play an important role uh, on the issue of public safety, deterring crime, and also quickly responding. But at the same time, uh, they, when, when they are engaging with the public, uh, my constituents want to feel respected by those uh, officers. Yeah, so essentially part of this bill, it ends solitary confinement on Rikers Island. Adams, the mayor, he tried everything to prevent this from happening. He asked city council members to do ride-alongs with NYPD cops so they could see what they would be doing to them, loading them down with paperwork on their jobs. Urging the council to uphold the veto today and to spend some time of correcting uh, the area of the bill, the only area of the bill that I have a disagreement on, and that is the level one stops. Yes, so he agreed with the increased transparency, but he argued that nothing should get in the way of public safety. The uh, Democratic mayor, the last time a Democratic mayor lost a veto vote, right, to a Democratic city council, you got to go all the way back to the Dinkins administration. President Biden says he's decided how to respond after the killing of those three American military members Sunday in that drone attack in Jordan that his administration for now is pinned on Iranian-backed militia groups. Yes, I don't think we need a wider war in the Middle East. That's not what I'm looking for. The White House still determining which of the several Iran-backed groups was responsible for the killing of American troops in a wave of attacks against U.S. forces in the region since the Israel-Hamas war began back in October. There'll be a solemn ceremony where they'll return these fallen soldiers to American soil at the Dover Air Force Base. President says he's spoken with all the families. Uh, they say they want him on the tarmac when that takes place. The Pentagon identifying all those killed in the attacks. One of them is Brianna Muffet, just 23 years old. Her mother here describing what it was like to have military members walk up her sidewalk and knock on her front door on Sunday. He looked at me and he said, I'm sorry, Miss Moffitt, but Brianna was killed this morning in a drone attack. No. There have been a total of 166 attacks on U.S. military installations since October 18th, including 67 in Iraq, 98 in Syria. Now, of course, that one in Jordan. Let's bring it back home. New York Attorney General Letitia James suing Citibank now for failing to reimburse victims of electronic fraud. The lawsuit also alleges the banking giant didn't implement strong online protections to stop scammers and misled customers about their rights after their accounts were hacked. The AG's office finding Citibank didn't respond to fraudulent activity appropriately or quickly enough. In some cases, customers' claims of fraud were ignored or denied. And in at least one other case, City approved a fraudulent transfer without contacting the account holder. James says it's cost New York customers millions of dollars and is ordering City to pay them back with interest and penalties. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. Yesterday, the MTA telling us why that F train derailed in Coney Island earlier this month. It was a northbound F train, 37 Seven people on board ran, ran off the tracks while entering the Neptune Avenue subway station. Uh, so apparently 
there might have been bolts missing. This sounds awfully familiar, like that Alaska Airlines flight. Uh, here's uh, the MTA describing what took place, Richard Davey. A confluence of two different events. One was loose or missing bolts on the radial arm of the truck on the fourth car on the F train. And then coupled with that, a, a track nonconformity in this vicinity as well. And as I said, on you know, independent of one another, we strongly believe that would not have caused a derailment, but because both conditions existed, uh, in fact, that's what caused this. Yeah, it seems a little crazy there. Thankfully, nobody injured uh, in that accident. Police in New Jersey making a shocking discovery yesterday inside a stone fabrication company in Fairfield. Apparently, some workers there had turned it into a chop shop. You know, so many cars are being stolen all over the tri-state. Well, apparently this is one of the places where they've been bringing these cars to chop them up and sell their parts. But police shut it down yesterday. And from there, they were able to obtain enough information to continue the investigation, which led to uh, one suspect being charged. Now, they think all of the vehicles that were going through this chop shop in Fairfield, and apparently the owners of this company may not have known exactly what was going on, but all the vehicles were Honda CRVs. So if you have a Honda CRV, that might make you a little more nervous today. There was several cars, just the shells of the car, nothing, literally nothing in them. Uh, in the parking lot, covered in tarps, uh, there was another Vehicle inside the building itself completely stripped down. There was an engine lying. There's an exhaust pipe lying. You name it how you would think that you would expect to see a chop shop, and that's exactly what this looked like. Yeah. Uh, cops telling us, by the way, last night, the stone warehouse owner is not a suspect, but some workers there, they say, are involved. And one with this. The Staten Island Ferry commute is about to get a little more festive. Bars with booze and food will soon be back on the big orange boats after being shut down during the pandemic. Because this is about progress, convenience, and service to the people who use this ferry every single day. Um, and it's long overdue. Yeah, and it's about time to get your drink on on the way home. Maybe on your way in if you're one of those people. Borough President Vito Facella says the Department of Transportation now accepting proposals from catering companies who might want to take on this job. This concession, we encourage everybody to step up and try to provide it. It's great, not just for the commuters, but we know millions of tourists. The ferry is still one of the popular, most popular tourist attractions in all of New York City, if not the country. So the city is going to start reviewing proposals in March, begin selling food and drink by the end of the year to the 45,000 passengers who take the ferry every day. 557, traffic, transit on the sevens. Here's Joe Nolan. You know, it's completely different, but have you ever been on the Fort Lauderdale water taxi? No. All of them have bars. All of them. That's great. Oh, it's it's a great ride. A lot of fun. But Did they uh, get rid of all the bar cars and all the trains? All yeah, time? pretty much. I think so, yeah. No LIRR, no New Jersey Transit? No, I don't think so. I don't. Th- I, I know on New Jersey Transit they don't have any. I'm pretty sure Long Island Railroad doesn't have them anymore either. Uh, but still, that would be great to get those back. I mean, my father and his buddies would sit and play cards on the train yeah. on the way home. they get off the train half in the bag, you know? <laughs> but happy. Oh, yeah, happy. You know, you work a long day. Why not have a couple <laughs> drinks at the end of the day? Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. From the com traffic desk, again, as you travel on the Long Island Expressway, coming into the Grand Central, that earlier accident there, that was there, track trailer, that is now cleared up and out of the way. Eastbound on Route 3 at Service Road. Again, this is right by MetLife Stadium. There is a water main break. From the com. 
Metrocom traffic desk. And again, you continue to have those delays on the northbound side of the Garden State Parkway. This is a new one as you come on up to the Union Toll, an accident in the center lane. You want to get over to the left or the right. Then we also have a problem on 287 northbound. This is up by 202. There was some debris in the roadway. Uh, the two center lanes at one point were out, but it looks like that pretty much is out of the way now. Transit Authority delays on the one and the two. There is some track maintenance in South Ferry. And alternate side of the street parking rules and regulations again today are in effect. When it comes to driving a luxury all-terrain SUV, few can compare to the 2024 Defender 110 from Land Rover Edison, Land Rover Marlboro. Now available for a limited time, 3.9% APR financing for up to 60 months for qualified buyers. I'm Joe Nolan with Traffic on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Let's find out what's happening on the Hump Day edition of Sit in Friends in the Morning Live again from Jerusalem. Here's Justin Ellick. Thank you, Noam Aladdin. It is a uh, hump day, so we'll do our Tunnel to Towers update. Bottom of each hour today in the way of guests kicking things off at 645 this morning. We'll have Dove hiking on the program, 715. Curtis Lee will be live with you guys there in New York. Joining Sid, 745 this morning, a member of the IDF, Arky Steinman, will be hopping on the program with Sid. 815, we'll do America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani. Had to postpone him from yesterday. 845, the former Congressman Peter King for his weekly Wednesday morning hit with Sid before Janine Pirro wraps out today's lineup. Noam at 9.15 this morning. We are ready to go. Day one, two, three from Jerusalem. Coming right at you, Sid and friends. I can't wait. We are out of here on this Wednesday morning. We'll do it all over again tomorrow morning, 5 a.m. Don't go anywhere now. Yes, Sid and friends in the morning live from Jerusalem. They are up next. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.